Welcome to the Wonder of It All podcast, where we are learning how to live in the sacredness of wonder. Thank you for listening. My name is Angela, and here's your host, my dad, Ben Brewster. Take it away, Dad. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wonder of It All podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. By now, you've all had Thanksgiving, uh, a great time, however you you chose to spend it this year. I know it was a little difficult in the middle of a pandemic, uh, but we do have a lot to be thankful for. And so I hope that that you were able to just take a few moments and think about all the good things that are in your life. Uh, Now we're heading toward Christmas at warp speed, it feels like, because this time of year, Thanksgiving to Christmas always goes so quickly. So I appreciate and I'm really grateful that you take time out to listen uh, to this uh, to this podcast. I am so excited about the interview today. Uh, we have Mark Patience on the phone. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good, Ben. How are you doing? Great, great. Mark is down in San Antonio. I'm in Louisiana, but it, it sounds like he's right next to me. That that's amazing, Mark. How do you do that? Is that like magic? <laughs> Uh, magic or, or just as a desire to be closer you know we really miss y'all yeah we we sure do miss you guys um let me tell you a little bit about mark to to kind of set the stage here uh, this first season we focused on mental health issues and so we brought in various guests uh, who have a background uh, educationally uh, expertise who, who deal with with mental health issues and and disorders on a regular basis um, Mark has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Iowa State University. Go Cyclones. Yeah, go Cyclones. First place in the Big 12. I know it. I know it. A, a real rarity. Yeah. Well, there's something to be thankful for. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So Mark's also done a one-year residency at, at Lackland in, in San Antonio, where he finished up his doctoral education. Uh, receiving a Ph.D. in counseling psychology from Texas A&M University. Uh, incidentally, the Aggies are having a pretty good year, too. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, good as well, good if, as well. If they can ever get any games played, right? Well, <laughs> that is all. It's a tough year for it. It's just a crazy, crazy year. Uh, I first met Mark and his wife, uh, Brenda, who was a guest on our show a few weeks ago, uh, when, they, uh, when Mark was stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base as a staff psychologist. And in that role, um, he had titles and jobs dealing with alcohol and addiction treatment. He was a prevention program manager, a mental health officer in charge, and a disaster mental health team chief. And, and that explains, Mark, sometimes when I saw you, you looked like you were exhausted. That, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of different roles to transition back and forth between um, and so it, so it can take something out of you, but but each one of those, you know, definitely meaningful. Yeah. And you're currently, um, you're in a fellowship, a clinical health psychology fellowship uh, at JBSA Lackland there in San Antonio, uh, where you are studying and, and working at the, uh, the intersection point between what we call traditionally health related concerns and things like insomnia, weight loss or weight management, I'm sorry, diabetes management, pain management, and, and more on that list, and, and also uh, the influence that psychology and habit change formation can have on these ailments, which I, I've heard you at various times talk about that, and I know you have a really deep interest 
uh, in the um, in the influence that psychology plays. Yeah, traditionally, there's there's a lot of ailments that that the medical system addresses and and uh, psychology and, and our habits and behaviors, you know, they, they seem to play a big role. And, and so this is an exciting place for me to be right now. Yeah, I, I remember how excited you were when you, you got this fellowship. And and I think that's just awesome. So most of the day, um, your day is spent, you treat patients, uh, you work on research projects, you you teach and you supervise pre-doctrinal interns, and uh, you're just working to improve your craft as well as being a husband and a father. How in the world do you do all of this, Mark? <laughs> well, well, largely from the, you know, to, to the credit of your interviewee uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, Brenda really holds us together in a lot of different ways. Um, it, it also helps to have found something that, um, you know, that, that one can be passionate about. Obviously my family is, is, is a, a, a big part of my life. Um, and I like my job. I, I feel like I, I get to be useful, which is, um, being useful is, is definitely high priority in, in, in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, incidentally, Brenda set the bar really high. She did an outstanding interview so are you feeling the pressure <laughs> you know i i i uh frequently choose just to, to slide under the bar and and, and be happy that, uh, that that it's high enough that i can just slide right under so yeah she's she's amazing absolutely amazing well you guys are what i call a power couple so oh. um but anyway so um all of this that we talked about um has in been encompassed in your career as an officer in the United States Air Force. You've been active duty since 2015, right? I have. Yep. So, so all of this is within the military. You know, I really appreciate you affording me the opportunity to talk. And, and of course, anything that I say here today is, is, is an opinion of my own, not that of the Air Force or the Department of Defense. Um, and yes, yep. That, that's, a, that's the context for which my work uh, takes place as I, as I get to, um, I get to serve some of some of the the the, the greatest um, that America has to offer, um, in my opinion. You know, just just volunteers that were willing to raise their hand. So, so it's a real it's a real privilege. That's awesome. And, you know, you have the education, you you have the expertise, and uh, just I, I want our listeners to know that you are a genuinely you're a good guy too. Oh. And, and that's important <laughs> for people to know. Oh, um, you, you really have a caring heart for people. Well, that's, that's that's really kind. So so let's get into this crazy year that we we've already alluded to with the football season. Um, what has been what what has it been like for you this year with these hats that you're wearing professionally and personally? Well, it's a challenge, I, and I think it's been a challenge for uh, for many, if not all of us, across the board. Um, we find ourselves with a lot to juggle um, in a context in which we've not had to juggle in the past. And, and um, so that's, it's difficult. Um, Brenda and I were just talking about this a, a week ago, you know, or, or a week or two ago, uh, you know, we canceled our, our Thanksgiving plans to have family with us um, largely to, um, you know, largely towards the efforts that are going on globally and, and, um, it, it was a struggle, right? It, it hurts. Um, but, but I look back at 2020 and, um, uh, I don't know that I would trade a, a lot of the, 
things that have come out of this year. And it's little things. It's moments with the family. Um, it's seeing uh, my wife and my kids try things for the first time and, and, and fail and succeed and try again and, and succeed and fail. And professionally, there's been a lot of opportunities for growth despite the pain. Um, I, I don't know that I, that I, I, you know, I don't like the catalyst. You know, the pandemic is not a great catalyst for all of this change. Um, but it, but the growth, um, both professionally and personally, I, I, um, I certainly am appreciative of. Yeah. I heard someone say the other day that, um, crisis, um, accelerates change and, and I, I like what you just talked about, how you're, you're seeing a silver lining, even in the middle of the pandemic and, and everything that, that's gone on in this year. Yeah, traumatic growth is a real thing. People have the capacity to go through incredible challenge and not only find meaning, but also find strength, find growth, um, find passion. Um, and, and time and time again, I see that both in my family system and the people that I work with and, and the people that I, that I help. Um, so uh, traumatic growth is a real thing. Again, it, it, I would probably trade in the, the catalyst for the traumatic growth for 2020, but um, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. So uh, from where you're sitting, your vantage point, what's happening right now with, with mental health in 2020? Well, we've we've really been pushed to figure it out uh, in a virtual platform. Uh, there's been a lot of agencies that have gone really far in clearing the path uh, for that um, development, for that evolution. It's something that we've played with for some time, but we've um, not leapt to. So, so the majority of our, our care is um, traditionally face-to-face, you come to my office, which is an interesting thing, a, a side note. There's, there's very few like social contexts in which we go into a room with somebody that we've never met. We close the door and we, we talk about like deeply personal things outside of the context of having like a beer and watching a, a football game. Um, this doesn't really happen culturally for us anywhere else. Uh, but, but we've held to that for, for some time with COVID um, the, the red tape is gone and, and a lot of organizations have worked very hard to clear that red tape quickly so that we can continue to deliver services virtually. It's a challenging platform. Um, and some people have found it to be uh, incredibly helpful and useful for them nonetheless. So it's, it's a heck of a change for our field. And I see our profession jumping in, you know, at two feet. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the virtual is what I, I heard you say is the biggest change. Um, how, how has that affected you in, in, in the work that you do? Um, how, how are you adapting? We pay attention to different things now. Um, and, and it's not that we didn't pay attention to them before, uh, they've just become more important. So, so for instance, uh, how do I present myself on the phone? In, in person, I can use, you know, my body language really to tell somebody, hey, I'm here, I'm present, I'm with you. Um, over the phone or in a virtual platform, it becomes more difficult. We're frequently distracted by, you know, notifications and pop-ups in our, in our view. So it, it it challenges us to really attend to the person um, and, and to use, you know, emphasis in different ways verbally uh, and, and to connect 
right? So, so the, at the end of the day, um, we need we need to find ways to continue to connect and and to show real compassion and, and sincere caring. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's been a challenge, but it, but a, a, definitely a worthy one. I think you just hit something major on the head there with the uh, the whole idea of connection uh, with what you do. But I'm also seeing this. Um, churches are struggling to find ways to connect, mm. uh, especially when you go virtual or you can't meet. Um, how do you stay connected? I, I think that's a huge issue that that we're all dealing with. Yeah, we're we're, we're all in, yeah we're all in that same boat. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anything that troubles you with what you're seeing. That's a good question. Um, you know, it, not specifically for uh, for the career field. I think mental health concerns ebb and flow. Um, culturally, you know, there, there's always challenges. I, I think there are increases in um, in anxiousness, anxiety, depression. Um, it, you know, and that's in some ways. You know, each each generation has its has its challenge. I, I will say, kind of more more, uh, more broadly speaking, or more globally, you know, this this kind of untruth of of us versus them um, seems to be making it more difficult for people to connect. Um, that there's this kind of um, I want to say illusion of of um, you know there, there's there's my group and there's their group and and. And we really need to battle one another. Um, and I think that leads to a lot of distress. I was walking through my neighborhood the other day with my dog and people were waving to me and, and friendly. And, and I had this thought of, you know, if I fell down right now, guaranteed that person who just smiled at me is going to stop and help. But I get on social media and, and I might be quick to get the, the perception that, that either everybody is for me or against me. And I, and I just don't know that that's, that's the case. Um, and so the division is troubling. Um, but I think there's a lot of pathways to finding common ground and coming back together. Sometimes I feel we can create our own experiences of, of, um, fear and anxiousness. And, and, um, I think there's also ways that we can create, um, senses of community and belonging. Yeah. I I think that that division is, is really, um, really apparent right now i uh, i i'm not sure i've ever seen a time where um christians were as divided uh, mm. as they are right now over current issues and, and things of that nature um so yeah it's, it's a big issue but i like i like what you talked about walking through your neighborhood and you know if you fell you knew you you, you know someone would come over and help you and it it, it wouldn't care a lot of those things that we make a big deal out of don't care in that there. They don't matter in that. Moment. Right. And, and I was talking to Brenda about this the other day. I, I, I am not, I'm not unaware that, that my experience as, as, you know, as a, as a white male um, in a suburban, it has a high likelihood of being quite different um, than, than somebody that, that doesn't carry as much privilege as I do. Um, and, and so I think that there are, are definitely unique individual differences that, that need to be, um, you know, paid, paid their due and, and given respect to the equation. And I wonder in what ways we really amplify our differences 
um, to the tune of creating a, a culture of animosity. Um, and, and, mm. and I wonder in, in what way our efforts could um, be directed to, to do the opposite. Mm. Yeah, and, and so that, that brings up the subject of hope, uh, uh, building community. How, how can we move away from this, uh, this animosity to community? What, what are you seeing um, that gives you hope right now? Well, yeah, a lot of things give me uh, just a tremendous amount of hope. I, I spoke about, you know, post-traumatic growth earlier. Um, I, I, I get, I'll tell you, Ben, I have, I have one of the coolest jobs, and, and I imagine you, you get to experience this as well. Although we, we work with people time and time again who are at like the, the, the worst of the worst days, like people don't come to see a psychologist because they're having a fantastic day. Um, or, or a great year. Um, and at the end of the journey, at the end of the path that these people have invited me to walk along with them, I get to like be part or bear witness to their growth. And it just convinces me time and time again um, that we're not stuck. Um, so, so individual resilience, um, community resilience, um, Growth in the face of challenge and pain, um, struggle resulting in strengthening of our bonds with one another or strengthening our personal capacity uh, for challenge. And these are the things that day in, day out, I just I, I, I stand in awe of, of our capacity um, for, uh, for, for real resilience um, and, and, and courageous um, continuation of our of our efforts to to move the ball forward. That that's such a beautiful thing, Mark. That you know how, how you get to share the journey with so many people, and uh, the use several times their resilience. Uh, I think about that word with the year that we're having, with uh, the stress that we're under, with the uh, anxiety that we're all dealing with, and so. Um, I wonder for our listeners, Mark, um, what are some some very practical ways, uh, some effective ways uh, that we can deal with stress and anxiety? Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. I I think that uh, there are some some so so to speak to the practical. Uh, people much smarter than myself have developed fantastic tools. Um, so there's like, so for instance, there's an application called COVID Coach. Um, COVID Coach is an application for your, uh, for your phone um, that, that will walk you through uh, stress relief um, activities or walk you through readings or different meditations. Um, and, and, and it kind of hits at this COVID fatigue um, there are also applications like Mindfulness Coach or 10% Happier. Um, and and I, I, I should jokingly or at least briefly say here, I don't, I don't of course, have any financial investment in any of these, um, but I've used them, right? So I, so I use them. And so I find them in, in a, to be helpful. And some of my clients have invested in them as well. Um, but there's, there's people much smarter than me that have created um, tools that I think that, that people can just download for free. Um, and to use. So the broader, you know, practical question of, of well, how, how do I address my anxiety? How do I address my depression? 
Um, I would I would encourage people to consider um, that these are not necessarily signs of of being broken, but but signs that that something something that you find of of great importance might not be the way that you want it to be. Um, so our emotions can also serve as great um, indicators or, or um, roadmaps or signs um, for areas in our life that we might want to actually approach. Frequently, we get anxious about things and, and what do we do? Um, most humans, including myself, will escape, right? And, and we've got a lot of ways to escape right now. We've got television, we've got our phones, we've got technology. Um, we can't even go down and, and see our friends in person. And so, um, so escaping this anxiety, we have a lot of distractions. And, and I might encourage your listeners to consider, um, in what way could I actually approach this anxiety? Get curious about it. Ask some questions. Um, even speak to a to a mental health professional or or, or a spiritual leader or just a friend about these types of things. Um, these thoughts come into our head daily. Uh, I think the last time I saw somebody wrote like we get seventy thousand thoughts a day. That, that's a lot of thoughts, um, mm. and and they may be worth um, exploring uh, in in a non judgmental way sometimes. Um, and that can also help one to use anxiety or even just use their feelings in, in a productive way. That's good stuff. Uh, good practical uh, information there. I, I love how technology is being used to help people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's something that we're really learning more and more about how to leverage. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're in the middle of the holiday season, uh, speeding toward uh, Christmas. Um, do the holidays, do we typically see an increase in, in mental health issues? Well, that's a good question. So, so the more traditional one that, that comes up is suicide. Um, and, and the, the, this would kind of, you know, the CDC would, would call this and, and has um, kind of the, the myth that, that continues to be perpetuated. You know, suicide rates actually go down around the holidays. Um, and, and, uh, and, and more so raise in the fall or the springtime. Uh, and so, so is, are the holidays a time to be more um, concerned about mental health concerns? Well, the jury's kind of out. We, we've never done holidays with COVID before. Uh, we, we just, this, this is a brand new ball game. And so I, I think that we could see an increase in mental health issues I think that we could see some respite as people get, you know, a natural break. It's just really hard to tell um, what this holiday season is going to bring. Uh, I, I think it just behooves us all uh, just to be intentional about reaching out and, and, and connecting with one another as, as best as we can um, and, and do the best we can to care for one another. You use the word behooves. You get five points. For that. <laughs> How many points did my wife get? I don't think she ever used the word. Okay. Behooves. I'll tell her that I won on the point scale. I'll take it. Well, that's just one part. Well, of the I'm place. sure I've lost another. <laughs> so, so what I heard you say, um, one thing that we can do to prepare for the upcoming holidays is, is build connection or strengthen connections. Yeah. yeah. And, and it might be risky. You know, a lot of these things take that, that leap of faith. 
that moment that's really uncomfortable and, and, and your brain is telling you, you know, don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do this. But I was speaking with a friend before I left work today about connections. And my friend said, you know, I've, I've been doing things that I wouldn't normally do to make sure that I connect with people. So, so she's been playing um, Dungeons and Dragons online um, with, with some, with, with a community of people that, that she's actually unfamiliar with. She, she doesn't have pre-made um, friendships. Um, and she's been reaching out more with friends on the phone and she's not one to do so as, as she describes. And I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it may take that leap of faith, a moment of courage, you know, that, that moment where your, your gut tells you, no, I don't really want to do this. And, and really just kind of charging through that feeling or even using that feeling to propel yourself forward um, to make some of those connections and, and to reach out in ways that are, are unique. They're just new. Yeah, that, I love that. Um, so let's, um, let's talk about faith for a minute. Um, you know, when, when y'all live in Bozier, we, we work together at the same church. Um, you identify as a Christian. In what you do, Mark, uh, what role does your faith play? Yeah, so it so I always allow for um, the, the, the people that I work with, uh, I allow them space if, if they want to bring faith into the equation um, or, or describe it as, as a, a core value of theirs or something that's important for them to bring it into the, the space. So um, I appreciate the question of, of a mental health professional. Sometimes mental health is seen as um, separate and apart from spirituality. Uh, largely, it's it's what the individual brings into that space, um, and and um, and we d- I, I make a habit of asking people about their their spiritual or their religious uh, practices or or uh, or beliefs, and and to see if they want to roll that in. So it does play a role in my work with clients. It, in my work, you know, as who I am, how does my faith find its way into what I do? You know, I, I always go back to the charge of, of loving people, um, that, that if we don't do anything else, um, and, and, and we frequently do lots of things wrong as humans, and that's, that's totally fine. We're, we're just trying our best. Um, you know, but, but, but if we don't do anything else, you know, we're just charged to love people. Um, and so if I can like, if I can spend two minutes before a session and just orient myself to, um, your charge Mark in this moment is to just show love, um, to this next person that you're going to spend with. And what does that mean? Well, love can mean undivided attention. It can mean a loving intent. It can mean, um, giving somebody everything that you feel like you have to offer, um, and so love from a spiritual perspective shows up for me um, time and time again. It, I do have to be intentional about it. I, I try my best to pause again, two minutes before every session, just to kind of orient myself to um, the, the next person that is going to walk into your office or that you're going to talk to on the telephone. Um, they are somebody um, that Jesus uh, felt like deserved life. Um, and that Jesus felt like deserved um, forgiveness and grace to the point of sacrificing himself so that we may know um, uh, grace, forgiveness, love, love of the Father. Um, and so if I can if I can orient myself to that, uh, that that changes the whole ball game. People again, people don't come in with their best selves 
um, they're not having their best day, then that's okay. Uh, and I think orienting you know, towards my faith uh, can be really helpful to, to, to giving them my best self in that moment. I love the way, Mark, uh, how you described how you orient yourself before someone comes in and you remind yourself um, that that person, that Jesus thought enough of that person to, you know, to die for them. And, and uh, your, your reference to loving people, it's very simple, but it's, it's part of what Jesus called the greatest commands. And, and so I so appreciate that, that you do that uh, and you look at people that way and, and value people. So thank you. for Well, I, I try, right. And being human is to, I don't always succeed. Um, but, but I, I, I appreciate that Ben and, and that, um, it's it's conversations like these that help me to remember that as well and, and to, to continue working to, to build that into my practice. So let's say that um, you're, you're meeting with somebody and um, they open the door to faith. Um, what role then does faith play in, in addressing or, or treating whatever mental health issue they're dealing yeah, with? Yeah, so... I, the nice thing is about my profession is, is I get to meet them at, at whatever their faith is. And, and so um, it normally starts with a place of exploration. I, I need to, I need to understand what that means to them um, as, as faith and, and spirituality means a lot to a lot of different people. Um, so, so first it's an open and, and non-judgmental exploration of, of okay, wh where's this person coming from so that I can walk alongside them. Uh, and then frequently, depending on, on their, their degree of engagement with faith and spirituality, um, it's about finding it for, for, in my practice, it's about finding how to integrate that into um, where they're trying to go. So their desired outcome. Um, and, and maybe that is uh, a large part of, of where they're trying to go. And maybe it's a small part. Um, best part of my job, Ben, is, is that I... I don't have to decide for people. <laughs> I, I frequently get to leave them in the driver's seat. And, and I just get to like, I, I tell my patients time and time again, like you've invited me on this journey. You've invited me to sit beside you and, and walk alongside you. Um, and that's a privilege of mine. That it, and, and I'm going to stick with you as, as long as you invite me to walk. And, um, and so it's, it's nice. It's, 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 I love what I do, Ben. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, it, it, it's obvious that you love it and you're passionate about it. And um, and I, I love the fact that yeah. you love what you do. Um, so uh, some of our guests uh, in previous episodes who have opened up about some of their mental health struggles have, have talked about a stigma that is sometimes attached to people who open up. From your perspective as a, as a mental health professional, um, what is one misconception that people have about you and others that, that do do similar work? Oh, that we have our stuff together, <laughs> which we all, which we often <laughs> don't. You know, I mean, we're, we're human, right? So um, we we really do make the worst. Uh, we we really make the worst patients. So um, so full disclosure, I, you know, last year was a, was a uh, difficult time for me and. Um, ran into some some heart stuff that was was interesting, and, and fortunately, it, it's benign. Um, but I found myself trying to apply my own 
um, medicine to myself, like talk to myself. But and and Ben, I'll tell you, like I wasn't I wasn't a good provider <laughs> for myself. It wasn't working. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't get away from kind of the, the racing thoughts and the catastrophizing thoughts of like this is going to end my life. I, I have two kids, you know, and mm. it, um, just scary thoughts. I mean, so I reached out to a professional in the community, also a health psychologist to, to say, Hey, now can, I, can I sit on your couch and can we talk this through? Um, and that was really helpful for me. That, that was quite a good conversation um, and, and led for me to be able to, to explore some of that and to, and to feel like, okay, well um, I, you know, I, I need somebody to talk to too every once in a while because we're human. Um, so, we, so we don't always have our stuff together and, and, and we're in that same boat. We're, we, we're not rowing in another boat. We're, we're, you know, I'm, I wear a military uniform. I'm, I'm rowing in the military boat. Right? I'm, a, I'm an American. Like I'm rowing in the American boat. Or I'm, a, I'm a citizen of, of, mm. of heaven. I'm rowing in that boat or, or I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the globe or of the world. Or, and I'm rowing in, you know, we're, we're all in that boat. Um, I'm not better or worse than, than anybody that comes into my office. Um, I'm another human being um, who, who just happens to have spent an, an, a, a crazy amount of time um, studying and practicing how to try to be useful to other human beings. Um, and that's it. That's it. And so like when you come into my office, you're going to see that it's a total mess. I'm, I'm a slob. Um, you're going to see a Green Bay Packer bobblehead, <laughs> which you're welcome to, to give me a hard time about. Um, and you're also going to see a chair that faces another chair so that two human beings um, can have a conversation um, and talk things out uh, and, and work together uh, on a common goal. My patients, my clients, they want improvement in their lives. I want improvements in their life. I want improvement in my own life. Um, we're all just human. We're all trying our best. Sometimes we don't do it really well, but that's okay like isn't that what grace and forgiveness is about and and so we're all we're all really um trying our best and, and so i hope people can just see us as other humans um who really want to be useful to other humans yeah 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 uh we all need grace you're you're right i, I love that so um as we wind this up, Mark, what what's one if, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice, what would you say? Oh, I would say that the struggle is a necessary component to our growth. That it's not only okay to go through a hard time. We will not grow uh, as individuals or as a community. Uh, we just won't grow without it. We won't grow without the struggle. And there's at least a hypothesis or there's evidence to suggest that we are um, shifting towards avoidance of the struggle, um, reduction of pain, um, avoidance of feelings of sadness, but you know what, Ben, like there, there are some things in this world that are worth being sad about. And there, there's things in this world that are worth being happy about. 
and, and there's things in this world that are worth being scared of. And there's worth things in the world that are worth being ex- excited for. And, and to devoid ourselves of these feelings um, might be devoiding ourselves of the opportunity to struggle, to wrestle, to play with, to examine um, these difficult feelings and to then grow from that. And so if I had any piece of advice, um, it would to be consider that pain, suffering, struggle, challenge, um, these might be some of the, the greatest paths that we have towards uh, growth and evolution. I think back all the times that so people have difficult conversations all the time in your church, Ben, we, we ran that common ground class where, where we brought people together to talk about really difficult things like firearms, like sexuality, like marriage, and, and intentionally brought people together with differing viewpoints to try to find the common ground. And I'll tell you, man, like I was super uncomfortable. Other people were super uncomfortable. <laughs> and you know what? Like, if we could just stay in that discomfort for a moment and, and press forward through it and stay in it, there was so much spiritual and relational growth at the end of that path of struggle and resistance. And I don't know that you get it in any other way. I don't know that you get it from reading a book. I don't know that you get it from an academic exercise or, or just a, I, I, like without the struggle um, I don't know that you get the same growth. So stay in there. If you're struggling, that's okay. If you want a workout partner, man, find find somebody to work out with, a friend. Uh, and, and when I say workout partner, I like, like, a, like somebody to stay in that emotional struggle with. Find one of me, behavioral health providers. It's, it's what we love to do. Um, but if you want somebody to, to stay in the struggle with, um, there's people out there that are that are standing by that that want to that want to walk on that path with you. Some good stuff right there. Thank you, Mark. A, a lot there to digest and process, and uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, Mark, it's been great having you uh, on tonight. Thank you for making time uh, to do this uh, do this interview. Um, appreciate what you're doing. Wish you and Brenda and your boys uh, nothing, nothing but the best. Um, hey, you as well, Ben. I really appreciate the conversation and, and love to you and your family. I know when, when this is, is passed, we'll, we'll all get together again. I'm looking forward to it. Um, remember, everybody, that um, every new episode drops Tuesdays at 6 o'clock in the morning. Every Tuesday, 6 o'clock in the morning, new episodes. And so until then, take care of yourself and keep.